You are listening to Natural Born Alchemist. Welcome to episode number 47 of the Natural Born Alchemist podcast. My name is Alex and I'll be your host. Before I talk about this episode's guest, I want to mention a review I read about this podcast on iTunes. And it said that, or it was a complaint, that there wasn't enough alchemy in the Natural Born Alchemist podcast. But you know, all the episodes are about alchemy because one of the common themes of all the people I talk to is about change, healing and uh, transmuting the self into a new state, hopefully a higher state, which is alchemy. So it's all alchemy. Maybe we're not talking about laboratory alchemy in every episode, but that would be a bit boring. We have different views on what alchemy is. In this episode, we are going to talk to Big Herc and the Fresh Out series. Most TV shows about prison highlight and focus on life on the inside and do not touch on the struggles and difficulties that people face reintegrating back into society. Many have such a difficult time that they often violate and end up back in prison. In addition to showing life after the penitentiary, there is also a series called Prison Talk in which Big Herc answers questions that viewers have about prison. So go to freshoutseries.com if you want to check it out. So now let's have a chat with Big Herc. There are 7 million people incarcerated in U.S. prisons. 700,000 of these convicts are released each year with nothing but the clothes on their backs. These statistics are staggering. And the odds are someone you know is a felon. Prison doesn't define who you are. It's what you do after prison that defines you. This is Fresh Out, Life After the Penitentiary. Thank you for being on the podcast. Oh, you're welcome. So please tell the listeners a little bit about who you are and what you do. Um, my name is Big Herc. Um, my birth name is Marcus Timmons. And basically, I have a show on YouTube called Fresh Out, Life After the Penitentiary. And we interview guys who have done time in either state or federal correctional institutions and get their stories as far as what they've been through, uh, what they experience, um, what it's like coming out of prison, being an ex-felon, um, how they're dealing with everyday life. And um, we also have another show called Prison Talk where uh, people email us questions and we answer their questions and they ask us everything from dating in prison to, you know, what's it like um, when you're about to get released or you know, what's the scariest situation you've dealt with in prison? So, you know, we, we got a quite interesting um, array of questions that we, we focus on on both shows. And there is a video that you made about how you ended up in prison. 
and uh, people can watch it. I will link to these videos in the program notes. But can you tell just briefly how how you ended up in prison? Uh, well, I ended up in prison for an armed bank robbery. I actually got involved with some guys, and um, we decided to take down a bank. And in the process, um, you know, the, the it didn't go as well as planned. So there was a high-speed chase and helicopters and spike strip and um, me running outside the car and getting arrested on the streets and basically doing 10 years, almost 10 years in the federal correctional institution. I did uh, roughly eight years, eight months, and um, that was for armed bank robbery. It was a takeover bank robbery. And uh, I got out in 2008 and have been out ever since. And since then, I've started multiple businesses and um, started doing the YouTube show and started a clothing line called Sex Addict Clothing. When you arrived in prison uh, the first day or the first week, was it uh, like, did it feel uh, like a nightmare or or how did you deal with uh, the, the initial stages? Well, when you, when you first come into a, a lockdown facility, um, just to just to give you a, a heads up, I actually had been to juvenile hall when I was younger for slinging drugs. So I had been locked up as a juvenile for 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 drugs, and so I kind of knew what you're supposed to do when you come into prison and how to carry yourself. Um, you know, I've I've been on the streets before. I've been around gang members. I've been around dudes who you know who 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 shoot and rob and do all this stuff. So. I, I know the lingo. I know how to, you know, how to carry my body language. So upon arriving, um, you kind of know who you could talk to, who you can't talk to. And um, it's just an unsaid thing. I mean, you kind of gravitate to where to the crowd you feel most comfortable with. And people can tell by the way you walk or the way you talk, what level of respect you demand. So you don't have to tell people, hey, I'm so-and-so, so-and-so. People can look at you and tell whether you're real or not. So a lot of guys who do a lot of talking, most likely they're full of shit. So uh, this uh, Fresh Out series you're making, was that an idea you had while you were in prison or did it come afterwards? No, that the Fresh Out, Life After the Penitentiary was an idea I came up while I was in prison prior to being released. Um, I have seen guys come and go because during, during um, a 10-year sentence, you see a lot of uh, repeat offenders you know, guys who have gotten out when you first came in and then they caught a new case. And um, you've seen guys come in and out for like parole violations. So, you you know, I started thinking to myself, um, it'd be interesting to see what what happens with a lot of these guys when they're released. Because um, you have a lot of guys in jail who are tough guys in jail, maybe shot callers, maybe, you know, head of gangs and, you know, gang leaders. But on the streets, these guys are scared to death. They don't know how to make money. They don't know how to take care of their families. They don't know how to provide for their kids. So for them, it's easy to be in jail and dictate over a bunch of knuckleheads and basically get free meals and a free place to sleep at. So um, seeing, seeing a lot of these guys on the streets, it tells you the true tale of what they're made of because um, – in jail, everything is there for you. You don't really have to, you know, you don't have to work for anything. It's, it's, it's all in a closed environment. Is that why some people become institutionalized? They want to get back. 
Yeah, a lot of guys, because on the street, you might have a guy in prison who was a leader of, say, you know, 50 gang members and people gave him free drugs and, you know, he was able to get high and he felt like he had power. You know, he he got to talk to the warden and he felt like he was somebody in control. Well, that guy on the street might have two or three kids and a wife or a girlfriend. And now he has to help pay the bills. Now he has to help put food on the table. Now he has to help uh, the kids with their homework. Now he has to take the kids to school. Now he has to get a job. And a lot of guys, they don't want to deal with that. So after being in prison, it's a, it's a cop out. It's easy to say, fuck it. I'm going to go back to jail or, oh, I, I fucked up. No, they purposely fuck up so they can go back to jail so they don't have to handle responsibilities. And um, when when uh, you are in prison, um, how much contact do you really have with the outside world? Well, in a federal facility, you're you're pretty limited because even in visiting, you don't have uh, there's no conjugal visits in the federal federal prisons. Um, you have very little uh, physical contact. If you're at a camp, you can you can uh, move around a little bit more. But um, your main your main source of uh, contact is, um, you know, if you can email somebody or maybe writing people and then um, just watching TV. I mean, you try to stay as um, relevant as you can by reading the news and um, newspapers and, you know, certain magazines and stuff like that. But, um, you know, you're 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 still pretty limited. I mean, when I got out, um, I didn't know about um bluetooth i didn't know about a lot of the cell phone technology so you know it's pretty intimidating because technology changes a lot over eight years is there a lot of like uh, prison racism and when you get out where i mean it's not really racism but prejudice i guess is the better word where somebody i mean the point of the system is you do the crime then you do the time and then you get a clean slate, but you're still treated as the criminal and it's harder to get certain jobs and stuff like this. Well, as an, you know, if you're an ex-felon and you get out of jail, I mean, it's easy to make a lot of excuses why you can't work, but there's always ways around stuff. I mean, if you were creative at committing crimes, you could be creative at creating work. So at the same time, you know, you're not going to go and apply for a job at a, say, a brokerage firm for a Series 7 license and say, hey, I'm an ex-felon, but I know how to trade stocks where you hire me. No, you might work at another, say, um, you might work for a friend that has a business and maybe you do some consulting or maybe you work behind the scenes. But there's always work out there. I mean, there's guys I know who have two and three jobs and some a couple guys have their own businesses and these guys are on probation. So it's not a matter of really um, being prejudiced against. I mean, you can use a lot of guys try to use that as an excuse, but if you really want something, you can actually you can always make it happen. And there's always work, and there's a lot of entrepreneurial jobs available. You seem like, uh, from judging from your videos and that, that you're definitely not gonna go back to prison, but. You know, the system is about reform, but it seems to me that the system doesn't reform anybody. It's all on the individual level. You know, it's a, a personal choice to change your life. Or or did this, the prison system help you uh, change your ways? No, there is no level of reform in prison. 
any type of uh, reform or rehabilitation is basically up to the individual. Um, if you take it upon yourself to educate yourself, to um, basically uh, re recondition the way you think and the way you look at things, then you can um, rehabilitate yourself. But the counselors in there, are, they don't care about you. They're just there to collect a paycheck. The psychiatrist there, she's, you know, there to collect a paycheck. Nobody cares about your well-being. So if you really want to do something for yourself, you have to assert yourself. I mean, there's guys in there teaching real estate classes, classes on business management, classes on um, on, on, uh, on stock trading. Um, there's all kind of classes in there available to guys. And these are taught by other inmates. And if you want to take those classes, you can sign up for them. They're free. So what happens is some guys take the opportunity to hang out at the library and educate themselves. And other guys take the opportunity to watch TV all day or gamble or play sports. So, you know, you, you got to choose what you want to do. And that's really going to determine how you end up when you get out. Are those people who try to change their life and study and this like bullied? Like do, do the other harder prisoners look down on those people? No, I mean, I, I spent a lot of time in a law library and I had a lot of guys who were like tough guys or gangsters. They would actually come to me or friends of mine and ask us to help, to help them with their legal work. So these guys were actually, uh, you know, look to us to help translate some of the some of the terminology in their paperwork that they didn't understand. And um, you get a certain level of respect when people to some degree see you educating yourself. They respect the fact that you are trying to um, elevate your consciousness. And then you do have some guys. I had guys that were mad at me because I was doing research and because they're so ignorant, they didn't want me to they didn't they wanted me to hang out with them and be ignorant with them. So those guys, you know, you, you got to kind of avoid them and put them in their place. But um, for the most part, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of guys who basically hang out together and study and, and elevate each other. And I, I ran across guys who were writing movie scripts, guys who were writing books, um, a lot of very uh, educated guys who, who are applying themselves in there with all the time they have. Is there any specific crime that you do when you get to prison, you'll have a harder time? Uh, like, uh, is there like an unwritten uh, ethics among prisoners that certain crimes they don't tolerate? Yeah, if you did anything with kids, um, you're gonna get you're gonna get beat down, um, or you're gonna get your wig split, is what I say on my on my show, which means somebody's gonna um, beat you up pretty bad. If you uh, get caught for kitty porn. And anybody finds out that that's what you're in there for, you're going to get your wig split. Um, anything, um, anything, anything related to kids or child pornography, um, you know, because in the feds, that's about the extent of what you're going to run across as far as um, federal crimes. And, um, and the state is a little bit different. In the state, you have rapists, you have uh you know, a lot of child molester, you have uh, domestic violence. You don't have that in a federal institution. The federal institution is all monetary crimes. So anybody in the feds most likely had something to do with interstate commerce. And that's how they get in trouble for like child pornography or uh, uh, kitty porn, stuff like that. And um, that's not tolerated in prison. 
You say federal and state. What, what do you mean? Federal, federal is um, federal. Okay, is for like say um, high high powered drug cases, cases where a person went from a state to another state and transported drugs across state lines, or a bank robbery where the bank was federally insured, or um, illegal entry for crossing the border illegally or say for money laundering, embezzlement, white collar crimes, these are all federal crimes. Anything to do with um, commerce that affects the federal government is a federal crime. State crimes are petty theft, um, uh, you know, regular robbery, um, assault and battery, um, you know, rape, um, just uh, your basic run of the mill. A lot of the guys in the state institutions aren't really money or they're, they're not as educated as guys in the federal institutions In the federal institution, you'll run across somebody who might've had a, a, a case where there was maybe two to 300 million, maybe a billion dollars where they were laundering drug money, or maybe they were doing white collar crimes. You won't find those kind of people in the state institutions. Um, in the feds, you'll find guys who were basically the cream of the crop when it came to criminal activity or white collar crimes in the, in the state. It's mainly, you know, you have a lot of sociopaths in the state and you have a lot of guys who are basically uh, supporting a drug habit. So it's a lot different that the mentality of what you have in the state and federal institutions. And also there's more racism in a state institution than there is in a federal institution because guys in the feds being more educated, you cross a lot of color lines. You know, you got, white guys hanging out with black guys. You got Mexican guys communicating with blacks and whites. It's a little bit different. You can get away with a little bit more in the state facility. Never would a white guy and a black guy be able to hang out. Um, never would uh, a, a, a black gang member and a Mexican gang member hang out. It's a lot of segregation and it's a lot more um, racial divide in a state institution. What about like uh, murderers and serial killers and those kind of people is that state or federal they're all state the only people in the feds for murder is if somebody killed a dea agent fbi agent uh attempted murder on a federal official something like that that's the only people who go to the federal prison um terrorists they go to feds um guys who like attempted bombings and stuff like that those guys are all in the federal institutions but serial rapists serial murderers um, you won't find those guys in the federal institution. And most people have seen prison life on TV and in movies, but what can you say is the major difference from those portrayals? Well, a lot of times Hollywood, they, um, they, they, you know, kind of glorify certain things in there, you know, guys getting raped in prison and, and, you know, um, the, the guards and the, and the inmates, you know, mixing it up. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that takes place in prison and you do have, uh, you know, guys, some guys getting raped and you do have, uh, you know, guards, uh, in, and inmates, uh, slanging drugs in there and, and making money and doing stuff. But, um, for the most part, it's not as glamorous as it seems because you're, you're under so much watch. There's cameras everywhere. So a lot of the stuff that they're showing on TV, you can't get away with in prison. I mean, there's cameras on every tier. There's cameras in every area that you walk through. So 
All they got to do is go back and look at a videotape to tell who did what. So you have to be extra sneaky. And a lot of times you're not doing things that's out in the open. So when you see stuff in the movies, it's not taking place like that. I mean, if something's going down, it's going down in a place where, you know, you only the person doing it and the other person involved would most likely know about it because you're not going to be able to see what it is they're doing. And how realistic is escape? Uh, uh, you're, you're in the federal institution, there's been very, there's only been a, maybe a couple escapes that I know of. I mean, um, you're not gonna, you're not gonna, um, I mean, if you're at a federal camp, I mean, most guys are there, they're not gonna try to escape, even though there's no walls, because a camp is so laid back, where, you know, you're, you're practically just at a, you're, you're practically like at a vacation ranch doing your time. But uh, as far as in the minimum and maximum security institutions, um, there really isn't any way to escape. I mean, the only incident I've heard of um, was, I guess, maybe in the 90s, somebody flew a helicopter in and tried to um, get picked up on a yard and, and fly out. And um, after that happened, they put uh, wires across the yard. So even if a person came in, if they tried to pull anybody up, they would get cut to pieces. So there's not really... Uh, it's not like you can, in, in the feds, you're going to really hatch an escape plan. I mean, El Chapo wouldn't escape from a federal facility in the United States. So digging tunnels is a Hollywood myth. Yes, that's Hollywood. I mean, for, for, for guys, I know somebody who had an attempt at escape. And once they, once he surrendered himself because he wasn't able to get through the secondary fence, they sent him to Marion and Marion is where they sent John Gotti. And basically, you're underground, and this guy spent probably a year underground, locked down, and he had to earn um, the trust in order to go back to a regular facility. And it took him probably three years before he was back on a regular yard. But um, you're not, you know, you're not gonna, um, you're not gonna dig a tunnel in the, in a, over here in the United States and get out of prison. It's not happening. And then you can't pay enough people to, you know facilitate you know your your release it's just too many check especially in in the higher facilities where a maximum because they have different levels they have a camp they have a medium and they have a maximum i've been to a maximum and i've been to a medium and in the maximum that's where they put the guys who are the most violent or guys who have um a criminal record and or guys who have a lot of time like um a lot of Big time mob bosses, a lot of cartel guys, um, a lot of really uh, violent gang members. Um, they all go to a high level facility uh, prison, and in those institutions, um, there's no, there's really. I'm, I'm not gonna say it's not possible because I know people that have said, "Hey, man, I, you know, I got to get the hell out of here." But um, I've haven't seen a guy actually escape from a facility like that. And uh, there's another famous cliche about prison and you you've done a good video on it but uh, i think it's good to mention it because most people probably think about it is uh, dropping the soap in the shower can you tell a bit about this yeah you if you drop the soap you don't pick it up I, i've dropped bars of soap in the shower and i let that shit go down the drain you don't you don't bend over in prison and um you don't you don't unnecessarily walk around and show your ass so Anything, if, if somebody if somebody in prison is bending over in a shower and basically when you you're, you're bending over, you're showing your ass and you're looking at some nuts. So 
you're doing you're violating two codes right there. And if a person sees that and they can feel that, oh, that you have some tendencies, um, they're going to try you, you know, so you, you don't want to do that in prison. You don't want to bend over and pick the sofa. I read an article. I don't know if it's true, but they said that uh, um, homosexuals have a lot of power in prison. No, not not in the prisons I was at. Maybe in the state facility, they might they might have more going on with um since there's uh, a lot of a lot of guys in there who are just animals. And I'm not saying that to try to judge people, but in the state, if you have a guy who's a serial rapist or some guy who who um who killed his kids, you know what I mean? Or, you know, or who chopped somebody up. I mean, these are sick people. And, you know, the level of what they'll do once they're in there to survive and maintain a lifestyle is a little bit different than what you have in the federal institution. Like I said, in the federal institution, um, you know, you have guys in there who were money guys. These guys were making, you know, for the most part, were involved in commercial crimes. So they're not, you know, and you do have homosexuality in there, but they're not calling shots for anybody. I mean, most of the at, at most any institution, you have guys from the Hispanic community calling shots. You have some guys from the white community calling shots and you probably have people from the black community calling shots. There is no homosexuals on any yard that I've been to that are calling shots. This thing about uh, Obama now talking about releasing uh, people who've done small crimes, usually, you know, just smoking some weed. What, what are your thoughts on this? It's, it's all state. It's all state institutions. Um, they're not really the federal government because of the way the, the federal prisons are structured. See, federal prisons are run by private institutions. You have uh, CCA, you have Wackenhut, you have um, a lot of these prisons funded by federal government, basically backed by private, in private, private institutions are backed by federal funding. And so they have these contracts and they basically need people in federal prison to generate money because every person in prison represents money for them when and, and, and whatever demographic they're at so that they can um, basically use that as uh, corporate returns. So in the feds, it's money for them to house guys. They're not going to let the guys out in the feds because they're making too much money. I mean, they've talked about for years as far as the drug laws, as far as uh, letting a lot of guys out. But um, they keep building more and more federal facilities, um, bigger facilities, and they put them in these these towns where there's no um, there's no population, and everybody pretty much in the town works for the prison, and that generates income for that particular um, town. So it's it's a lot of corporate money backing these federal institutions, and um, you know it's all privatized. It's all it's all ran by private companies. The federal government doesn't even really run a lot of the federal facilities. What about uh, you? Also, see this in movies that uh, you you bribe the guards or you have relationships with the guards. Is this something that happens in real life? Yeah, yeah. There's guards. There's guys in prison all the time with cell phones, um, drugs. Um, there's a lot of money being made in there. I mean, you know, off a can of tobacco. In, in the federal prison, when I was there, you can make, um, you know, $500, $1,000 off a can that costs you maybe 18 to 20 bucks on the street. So if a guard sneaks you in some tobacco and you give him $300, two or $300, and then you turn around and you can make another, 
you know, three, four hundred dollars or a thousand dollars. I mean, it's profitable. And, um, you know, if you have money and a lot of these guards aren't making a lot of money, um, you know, if you get cool with somebody, they might do favors for you. What was it that made you uh, rethink uh, your life? Was it like, did you find God or was it something else? No, I didn't find God. I just had a, a spiritual awakening and um, basically realized that, um, you know, I don't want to I don't want to spend my life coming back and forth to facilities like this. I mean, the first place I went to was a high level uh, federal facility where the average person in there is doing 20 years. And there's guys in there. With, I've seen some guys I met with. They had five licenses. And when you talk to these people. And you have conversation and you see that these guys wish that they could go home. And most of these guys you talk to, they've already been um, locked up for maybe 15, 20 years and they're not going home. You realize that, hey, man, um, I got a second opportunity to get out and make something with my life. And I want to do a change for the better. So you start reconditioning the way you think, the way you look at things and just uh, what you spend your time with. Is it important to to make uh, friends in prison to to make it? Uh, yeah. Well, usually, you know, you have some people that kind of stick to themselves. If you're an older guy, you can kind of get away with, um, you know, hanging out by yourself. People kind of leave you alone. If you're an elderly person, you know, you don't really have too many problems. But um, you know, the younger guys usually uh, click up. I mean, they get together in groups and or you know, and they have their little uh, factions in there. But um, usually everybody has somebody they hang out with. I mean, I had a, quite a few friends in there that I met and I continue to socialize with on the streets. So in this Fresh Out, you, you have this segment where you talk about prison life, prison talk. And then you also talk to uh, individuals who got out of prison, Fresh Out, as, as you say. And uh, how, did you, how do you find these, these people? Um, I usually get referrals from, from different people that have, uh, that know me or that have watched the show. Um, I have a business partner that also helped me produce the show and, you know, he might hear from somebody that he knows that says, Hey man, I got a guy that wants to do an interview. And basically it's a lot of word of mouth. I mean, there's so many people, there's 2000 people being released from prison every day. And, um, there's like an endless supply of interviews. And for the most part, um, there's a lot of guys that uh, I run across or that I know through other people that um, kind of refer me to a lot of these guys. Do you think uh, these videos can like be shown to to kids that are heading the wrong way and maybe inspire them not to 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 do the wrong thing? I think um, the videos could be used to a certain degree to possibly educate some of the youth. Um, I know scare tactics don't work because, you know, I've, I've watched scare straight and, you know, I've, um, I've seen, you know, a lot of, you know, guys, you know, people, my family tell me this and that, and people try to preach to me and I don't want to hear it. You know, it took me kind of like realizing that, um, I found actually, I found a mentor in prison and, um, this person, opened my eyes up to a lot of different things and kind of um, got me to expand my mind and the way I thought about life. And that's what made me change. But I mean, um, I had, I know guys in there that were doing like say 14 years for bank robbery 
And, you know, this guy said, hey, man, when I get out, I'm going to go do another bank robbery. I don't give a fuck about the government. So you have that mentality, too. So really, the individual, the, the kid has to want to do something else with his life. You know, what I mean, he has to he has to have a dream. He has to have a vision. And, um, you know, I think the biggest thing with the youth is um, supporting their dreams, supporting their goals, um, you know, help, help having people. You know, you got to you got to set, you know, you got to set milestones for yourself and go after them because um, otherwise, you know, you, you get frustrated and it becomes dark and lonely and you, you, you do stupid stuff, you know. For certain crimes that, you know, people who are a real danger to other people, you know, that's one thing. But for all other crimes, don't you think there could be a different system that would be more beneficial than what we have now? I, I think like um you know there are people who are who are basically really dark um individuals who need to be locked up. I mean, you know, they can't be around kids, you know, the, these people who who um just want to hurt people, you know, who have no conscience and then um yeah, they need to be locked up. But there 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 needs to be programs and there could be programs to um help some of these guys who are truly trying to turn their lives around. And help them get jobs, whether it's working with, like, say, um, the fire department with a lot of these wildfires or, say, um, youth outreach programs or um, maybe like um, like home ed programs, maybe helping the elderly. I mean, there's a lot of things that could be incorporated into our system that would better benefit these guys in prison getting out rather than just putting them on the streets and telling them to go find a job because, um, you know, it's a lot of homeless out here and a lot of these people are ex-felons. How did you deal with time? I mean, you knew how long you, your sentence was, but, you know, still, you know, many years. How did you handle this? Uh, it was hard, man. That Doing the time, it's like, um, it's like Groundhog Day. Every day you wake up, it's the same thing, you know, and, and it comes to a point where you said, um, you feel that you, you've done enough time, you're ready to go home, you, you know, you learned a lesson, but, um, you know, you still might have five, six, seven years left. And, um, you know, the only way to deal with that, um, is, uh, I did a lot of meditation. I worked out, I read a lot of books and I just, uh, I tried to, um, consciously take my mind out of prison and I never considered myself to be an inmate. I never brought I never bought into the prison lifestyle. I always acted as though if I was released, if somehow if they said, hey, um, you're released, um, I would be prepared. Because what happens is a lot of times guys aren't really prepared to be released. So hypothetically, if Obama said, hey, we're going to release, um, you know, 10,000 inmates out of federal facilities, a lot of these guys would panic because they haven't mentally prepared themselves to be released to the streets. So um, I constantly prepared myself mentally so that when I did get out, I wouldn't be scared. I wouldn't be uh, intimidated. I would be able to not look like I came from prison because that's the worst thing you could do is walk around on the streets like you're, you know, you're still in prison. So it seems like you took advantage of the time you had and used it for something, you know, like reading books and things like this. Yeah, a lot of my time, I read a lot of books. I read uh, a lot about American history. I read um, the Constitution. Um, I read the Congressional Acts. I read um, 
a lot about um, religion, spirituality, um, business. Um, I try to get a balance of um, just a little bit of everything while I was in there. And I use prison actually to, uh, you know, self-educate myself and, you know, self-rehabilitate. You know, I spent a lot of money on books in prison. I had people, a lot of people from the street send me in books. And um, that was one of the things that kept me focused. You're allowed to have uh, things in your cell? Yeah, you can have books, um, you know, and you can have food in your locker. And, um, you know, because they have a commissary in prison where you can go shop once a week and you could buy, um, you know, uh, hygiene items, food items, um, writing material. So you can't have certain personal possessions in your locker in prison and that you lock up during the day. You talk a bit about spirituality. Can you uh, expand a bit? How, in what way are, are you into spirituality? Um, spirituality, what I mean by that is just basically um, seeking uh, a higher balance than myself. And, and, and not, you know, I'm, I'm not religious, but at the same time, I believe in, in energy and um, basically karma Because um, I didn't wake up one day and end up in a federal facility. You know, this was things that had took place over years and years. This, it was a lot of negative energy. So when you have a, a negative energy pool, um, naturally, you know, dark things and bad things are going to happen. So and it doesn't necessarily have to be physical. It could just be things you built up in your mind. So what I started doing was reprogramming the way I looked at life. Um, I basically got rid of anything that I thought was contradictory to how I felt. I got rid of all the beliefs I was taught in school, all the religious beliefs that was, you know, uh, pushed on me as a kid. And I basically created my own beliefs and um, and started just uh, meditating to create a, a place where I can find answers. And that allowed me to take myself to another level spiritually, which that actually uh, it, it, it protected me also. You know, it helped me avoid a lot of stuff because I could kind of read people pretty good in there. And um, and I, I let off a good vibe. So a lot of that has to do with spirituality and not just, you know, having negative energy because, uh, you know, you got guys in there who say they go to church, but they, they go there basically because. They're either hiding something, maybe they were snitches on the street, or maybe they told on their case, or or maybe they're just trying to like, you know, they don't want people to mess with them, so they're hiding out there. So it's not genuine. And then you have some people there are genuine. But for me, um, I wasn't seeking to be a part of any group. I just, like I said, I I focused on myself, and I read I read a lot. Um, I read a couple of good books, Deepak Chopra. Um, I read a. Uh, You know, there's a book called Conversations with God, and it just helped things make sense to me. It it kind of it kind of uh, put things into perspective because a lot of this stuff I wasn't taught. And it's and, you know, in prison, you have such a you have so much time on your hands. The the level of reading material that you come across in prison, I think, is probably it's probably at a whole nother level than what you would get in college because. A lot of this material, you wouldn't even want to entertain it on the streets because you're free. But when you're locked up and the government has all your has all the power over you and you can't leave, you start looking at things differently. And so you dig deeper than what you would dig on the streets as far as knowledge is concerned.
Have you seen this documentary about this uh, prison that was very violent and they started uh, educating the prisoners in meditation and the violence went down? I, I haven't seen that documentary, but I know that there was a program that they were trying to incorporate into San Quentin prison. I read an article on and there was a doctor who basically could um, cur curtail all violence in the institution and have guys like being productive. And, uh, you know, the prison guard association lobbied against this program. See the prison, to tell you the truth, the prison guards and the prisons, they like riots. They like it when they get a lockdown. They like it when, you know, um, this stuff happens because they get overtime. They get to use their, their toys. They get to shoot their, shoot their beanbag guns and they get to shoot on a yard. I mean, uh, it's, it's sad to say, but they like that man, because whenever there is an institution that doesn't have any problems, They, they, it's like a, almost like a, it's like a test tube. And what they'll do is they'll bring in a, a rival gang member and then more of the rival gangs. And then until the point where they want to see what the breaking point is. And they purposely do that at a lot of these institutions because it's almost like a social experiment. So they know exactly what they're doing. And if they wanted to, they can get rid of a lot of the violence in a lot of the institutions, but they don't want to because there's money to be made with violence in prison. So they're basically like sadists. Exactly. And they, they, they enjoy, you know, like if, uh, you know, if there's a certain guy on the yard, maybe this guy had a reputation in other prisons as a badass and he's like, you know, stabbed a couple people or he's just a hardcore dude. You know, people look at him different and they like that. You know, it's like, you know, you got a guard who's, who's like a tough ass in there. I mean, you know, people, they, they, um, they idolize that stuff in there. So it's a, it's a warped mentality in prison, man. It's not, these guys aren't, there's no holding hands and singing Kumbaya. Don't nobody care about that shit in there. That's something you got to do on your own in prison. It's cutthroat, man. I mean, if you show a sign of weakness, if I see you crying, that means, you know, you're soft, you're a bitch. And I'm, I'm, I'm basically, I'm gonna exploit that. So you can't show no weakness in prison. It's all about it's all about being almost like being an animal. You got to be an animal while you're in there. When you knew you were getting out, did you become like afraid or nervous for that day to come because like maybe something would happen and they would prolong your sentence or something like this? No, no. Before I got out, I was surrounded by a really good group of guys, and basically, um, I I was just I was studying. I had wrote like three books while I was in prison. I had wrote up um, the treatment for the Fresh Out series. I mean, I had a whole notebook full of different things I was going to do when I got released. So um, even though I didn't have I didn't know where I was going to live at, I didn't have a car. Um, I didn't have no family come pick me up. You know, I basically did all this on my own. I, um, I just had a certain level of confidence that I was going to make it. And um, things just worked out for me, you know, because I put the energy out there, um, things fell into place. So I was I, I didn't really have a lot of I wasn't scared to get out. And I really wasn't nervous about anything happening to me because I I felt that I was on another level. But when did when did the time become unbearable? Because, you know, like when you know it's like six months left, you, you, you know, you're excited and time goes even slower, I imagine. Yeah, I mean, after doing, you know, after you do eight years and eight, you know, and you're, you're closing down on eight months, um, you know, you, you start getting, you start thinking about what kind of car you want to drive when you get out. And, 
you know, you know, what kind of, what, you know, what chick you're going to hook up with when you get out and, and, uh, what you want to eat when you get out and with shopping and buying clothes. And, you know, so I started really, you know, I started really thinking about different things of that nature. And, um, you know, but I kept with my same program. I used to go to the library every day and I would write, um, you know, I'd work on my books and, um, write down my ideas and basically network with other guys who are getting out so that we could all benefit. So the whole object of my group that I hung out with was to whoever got out first would help the other guy out. So I got out first out of our group. And then as other guys started getting out, I helped them out. So when they got out, it was a little bit easier for them. Was there anything you did right when you got out just to like, you know, where you felt like now I'm free, you know, something you, you did that you really enjoyed? Uh, like the first thing when you got out, was there anything like you, you just did that you really wanted to do? Um, well, when I got out, right after I got out a little while, I, I, I walked through uh, Hollywood Boulevard and, um, and kind of just looked at the stars on the sidewalk and, um, and all the different people and the noises. And, and I just, um, I just pictured myself, um, being successful. You know, I just tried to imagine, um, how good life could be, you know, as a free person. So, um, you know, I, I went, I went and walked on Hollywood Boulevard, had a slice of pizza and, um, I had to actually, you know, go to a halfway house for three months. And, um, you know, hanging out in the halfway house, I was fortunate to get a connection for a job hookup through a friend. And, um, I never looked back from there, you know, I got a cell phone and, um, you know, started playing online and just basically, uh, started making plans and trying to implement some of the things that I studied while I was inside. How long ago was it when you got out? Um, October, 2008. Did you ever suffer any like flashbacks or, you know, like, you know, sleeping, so, you know, the same hours as you used to do in prison or or something like this? I, I occasionally I have a, a nightmare dream that I'm locked up and I don't know how I got there. And then I can't find anybody to tell me how I get out. And uh, that's that's scary. You know, when you you um you have a dream and you don't know how you got there and you can't get out. Um, it, it's like. um it's a feeling like you're trapped. And so I, I, you know, I've had those dreams a couple of times, but that's about the the worst I've had. I mean, that's, uh, those are considered nightmares. So this fresh out series, you're trying to get it on, on TV. Yeah, we're working right now on, um, hopefully trying to find uh, a network to pick the show up so we can, um, you know, take it to the next level. And, um, you know, in the meantime, we're still producing, episodes of Fresh Out. We're still doing prison talk. And, um, you know, we're trying to just, you know, make the public aware that, you know, there's a lot of people that that's that's on the streets right now that might have been locked up. And, you know, it's good to be educated about something, because, like I said, Hollywood, they don't really give people a real uh, a real voice for what's going on, you know, for a person getting out of prison. Is there any like Hollywood film that you've seen that you think is the most realistic version? Uh, you, you know, you know, I, I really don't watch too many prison movies, so it's hard to say. Um, you know, what's considered realistic? I mean, you know, I mean, I've seen like Sawshank Redemption. Um, 
you know, some of the other movies, I mean, you know, I, I would, you know, a lot of the corruption and stuff is, is a lot of that's pretty, pretty realistic. Um, you know, I know, I know, you know, there's been multiple institutions where guards and wardens and stuff have ran businesses and skim money and stuff like that. And, you know, drugs and things like that. But, um, to be honest with you, I haven't really seen anything that's realistic coming from Hollywood about prison. I mean, the Sons of Anarchy, you know, that's a lot of that's not realistic. Um, and a lot of these other movies, um, you know, with Sylvester Stallone in prison, you know, it's it's not realistic either. A lot of that stuff wouldn't happen. Yeah, I didn't think about maybe it's not entertainment for you to watch prison movies. You know. Yeah, it's it's crazy because you got guys in prison watching cops. I don't know how they do it, but they sit around and for hours they'll watch episodes of Cops and they'll they'll um, they'll take pleasure in that because then they don't feel as bad um, having being locked up. But I can never watch. I never watch Cops. I never watch anything to do with prison or jail. I never watch it. But I think this uh, Fresh Out series could be picked up by TV. I mean, it looks very professional, and I've you know. I've seen worse things on TV, so I don't understand why it wouldn't be possible, you know? Yeah, I agree. And I mean, I think because of it's not like um, we're not making fun of prison or we're not doing comedy. Maybe that's one of the reasons because the, the content is a little more serious, um, you know, and a lot of times, like if you watch a lot of prison shows like Lock Up or Locked Up Abroad, um, you know, when they show the guys locked up, you know, they, they try to find the most uneducated person or somebody who's just you, you already know that the person they're talking to the repeat offender. But they don't want to they don't really want to show the guy who got out of prison, who's successful or the guy maybe who's trying to do something uh, to better his life. You know, a lot of times they don't want to see that. So um, there's more entertainment value for a lot of the Hollywood, you know, production companies with guys who aren't as successful or guys who are more or less on the verge of going back to prison. So it's kind of a hard sale to a degree. But you're growing on YouTube, I guess. So you still have a big audience. Yeah. Yeah. We're growing on YouTube and this is our second year. And, um, you know, at the, I, I believe that at this rate, we'll eventually get picked up. It's just a matter of um, continuing to produce uh, more episodes and to keep people interested and to provide new content. And that's what we want to do. We want to, you know, keep our audience um, informed as well as possible and to also introduce them to various, you know, different ca characters so that they can see the personalities behind a lot of the people that have been to jail. So if people want to check out uh, these videos, where can they go? Um, they can go to YouTube and put in Fresh Out, Life After the Penitentiary, or prison talk, and they can see our whole catalog of videos. We have um, we have over probably thirty videos that are uh, currently on YouTube. And also, you you were making clothes, you said. Yeah, I also have a clothing line called Sex Addict Clothing. So you know, if you want to check out my clothing line, it's uh, at www.sexaddictclothing.com. And um, I've also been working on that for a couple years now too. Cool. Well, it was great talking to you and very interesting. Oh, I appreciate it, man. I, I thank you for giving me the opportunity to share my insight and to give the audience an opportunity to, um, you know, hear about Fresh Out. If you want to watch this series, go to freshoutseries.com. You can also find it on YouTube. 
I'll post links in the program notes on naturalbornalchemist.com as usual. And we also have a Twitter account now, and the Twitter handle is bornalchemist. Now, to close this episode, we are going to listen to a track by The Movement called Sweet Life. And this track is from the album Side by Side. To hear more of their music, go to the-movement-vibe.bandcamp.com. I'll post links to these guys in the program notes as well. Freedom is in the mind. Yo, I was just a bad boy. You were just a younger looking girl. I took you to a party and we listened for a while. The music, it was in our hearts. Melody was in our heads. We sank into the ocean and it made us both smile. Cool. 